Welcome to Help from Future Self. Hello, Archons. Welcome to another episode of Help from Future Self, the conversational Keyforge podcast by and for Keyforge friends. I am back after a short hiatus in which my lovely co-host, SC Steele, was uh, taking the reins along with the perennial sub and now almost, I guess Chris is now at this point basically part of the podcasters. No, he just we de facto can't raise his became ego. part of it. Yeah, Chris's ego can be stroked a little bit here. He is part of the podcast. Love He's it. subbing in all the time. It makes sense. Uh, I enjoy Chris's perspective on the game and having him with you. It's just, it's really nice to just have an extra person who can come in and talk about these, uh, these different key forging. Oh, things. he loves it. Yeah, and Sydney, how are you doing today? I am amazing. So excited to talk about Keyforge. Yes, uh, as am I. I'm I'm very much looking forward to discovering um, new decks, and I'll, I'll get into that uh, in a little bit with you. But first, let's talk about some of the news that is, um, this is almost like housekeeping news, I feel like, and it's that the pledge manager is out. Oh yeah, I know. And I'm it's so funny cuz so many people were talking about like how quickly they filled it out and how excited they were at, they they jumped right on it to get it filled out and I'm at the point where like I just I'm I'm analysis paralysis about what add-ons I want to include. So I haven't filled it out yet because it's like do I add six copies of this or you know only two copies of it or you know do I add a comp- the the luxury playstyle uh, tokens do I add like a whole set of those or like five sets of those I I just uh, <laughs> I can't decide yeah I I definitely had the like I wanted to throw on some of that stuff but I realized like my the luxury playstyle was the biggest draw for me but I also was like okay my keyforge budget is kind of like tapped out with this I've already allocated funds I need to be saving money for other things right now so I can't go too crazy um, the the hardest decision for me was and I didn't realize this was the token set I like didn't Ooh. token set to choose and I ended up going with Brobnar almost strictly because it feels like Brobnar is the bee's knees after this past weekend. And I figure having all of those tokens on deck is probably going to be the most um, advantageous potentially. But I also know that it was maybe not the coolest token. So I'm kind of in... That was the first sure <laughs> that got me. Oh, shoot. I didn't fill in my my personalized deck name. I forgot to do that step. So I have to do that. <laughs> <laughs> I it's so funny too after playing at KFC and like needing opaque sleeves for a lot of what we played uh I, I just like I realized even more the importance of having those token sets because as cool as it is to have the picture of the token on the back of the card it's not actually going to be visible most of the time like unless you're like playing super casually with friends and not sleeving your winds of exchange decks which why would you do that you're going to want to actually me. have I know right <laughs> <laughs> A deck has to earn the sleeve, Sydney. Okay. Oh, so we have um, uh, like hundreds and hundreds of those clear plastic penny sleeves, and so most of our decks end up in those. So when Chris and I are playing, we we end up having them visible, the back of the cards visible all the time. But it's crazy when I walk into a uh, like a game store or you know an event like AFC, and I have to have all of my really really cool sleeves with me so that I I have something really cool when I flip over the card. Fair. No, I, I I get that. I mean, I, I was one of the people who bought a, not as much as I probably should have, but I, I bought a whack load of those Game Genic um, 
sleeves that were the Keyforge ones, the black nice. ones are totally, they just feel so nice. They're my, they're my go-to. So yeah, I, um, I, I get, I get what you're saying, but the, the pledge manager thing, yes, folks go fill it out. It's live. There's lots of good things that you can add on. Um, the, I mean, most likely most people I think are pretty satisfied with what they got right from the get go. But I think the unchained factor is, is a big one. I, I got an, an extra display of Unchained, which was in my original nice. pledge, because I just figured this would be a fun way to play Keyforge with friends. Um, I'm not sure it's something. So here's here's the thing, Sydney. I, I don't know how it's going to work in terms of having the value beyond an IRL interaction, because I don't even think it's something I'd want to play online either. Like it, it is one of the most social things based on not just the way it was done over the weekend, but the fact that it's just so bonkers. I don't think it's something you want to do online. It has very much a IRL feel and IRL moment to enjoy. I couldn't agree more. I really feel like the fact that we know all the previous sets makes Unchained as cool as it is. The fact that when we open it, the the impossibility of what we're looking at is what makes it cool. And then playing mm. with it to see those interactions. Like it's not like on a lot of online play is more either learning to play or you're in a league, you're you're not playing super casually online. And so that like competitive wise, as as cool as it would be to like find out what the best unchained deck is like we we did that in person at kfc i i feel like the the fun of unchained is is playing it to see what crazy things could happen not necessarily to win every game you play with it right yes seeing like how how wacky can things get how broken can it feel totally so today this episode i wanted to basically talk to sydney about her experience at kfc and some of the things that went into going into a big tournament, which we haven't done for some time. And being someone who did not get to go and had the ever looming feeling of FOMO on the horizon as the weekend approach, and then the validation of the FOMO, largely (laughs) I'm going to call Zach out on this. It's his fault for my FOMO because he was giving the play-by-plays and just – it felt like you were there, but you weren't. So I, I did feel like I was missing out. So thank you for that, Zach. I both hated and loved it at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, I'm I'm uh, I'm very excited to ask you some questions, and these are just for questions to get some insight into the tournament experience again. Uh, not necessarily this one particularly, but there are a couple ones that relate to it in in particular because I really wanted to give listeners who were not there and who are planning to go to events in the future some ideas of what to expect in some ways. That's a great point because oddly enough, like even though they released the all the, the rules beforehand and like all of the changes to things, like I was in the same boat where showing up at this thing, other than like the absolute adrenaline rush of seeing other people, there were some things that I was I was banking on my knowledge from prior events that didn't always stay true to this event. So I, I really did like benefit from playing an IRL uh, tournament and, and like being in the same boat as everybody else, not knowing what the changes would be. So that's a perfect segue to this first question. So what did you learn playing in this tournament setting that you haven't experienced before or were strongly reminded about? Because I know this was a little bit different. So if and if you have an answer for both of those things, like you experienced something you haven't experienced before happened or were reminded that you needed to, oh, when I'm playing in a tournament setting, this is something you have to keep in mind. 
So I, I actually really want to answer the uh, haven't experienced before because one of the okay. things that um, Ghost Galaxy did in this event that they haven't done in the past is there were two concurrent main events. And so first of all, like beforehand, even before going, that meant picking which event you're gonna go, you're gonna play in, because if they're going at the same time, you need to plan like for Alliance versus Standard, what you're gonna bring. I mean, the sealed event was easy because you, you, no matter what, you're given the, your decks. But for day two, it was Archon sealed, or Archon Standard was at the same time as Alliance Standard. So mm. I really needed to plan like, am I gonna build my deck beforehand or am I showing up with one deck? So, and then the day of, it, there was a lot of, it was kind of funny on day one, Chris and I were playing in two different events. So our breaks between events didn't actually ever line up because for the Alliance Sealed, they got time in the beginning of their their event to build their deck. Whereas for the Sealed oh, okay. Standard event, we just start like you, you got your, oh, and on top of that, oh, a cool new thing is even for Sealed, as written currently in the rules, you get to look at your opponent's Archon card. I hate that, by the way. It's something that was very controversial and is still, I guess, up in the air whether that's something that TOs can um, uh, allow or or not, or if it's going to just be uh, straight expected going forward. But that the idea that like we sat down and then we had to realize we could do that. And then when we ended, like, you know, that really cool feeling of like everybody, everybody's rounds just ended and you're walking around and chatting with people about like how their game went or, or like all the cool moves or like how, what mm -hmm. a crushing defeat you just experienced. Like half the people playing were in a different event. So they were still playing. So our timing was a little bit off. So I feel like the, the two different things one is uh, for sealed, you look at your opponent's Archon card. And two is um, that people will still be playing during your specific break from the event um, is, is because there are two main events going on. And even the, the food breaks were, were different. Um, so it's, it's just a different mindset to be in that there are two main events going on at the same time. So, okay, let's, let's talk about that a little bit. So did, you, did that bother you? Or were you just, it was it just something that is, it is what it is sort of mentality? I, it didn't bother me because I feel like I was just so in the moment and I was very excited to just be there playing what, what ended up being like the, the food break was something where I, I needed to coordinate that because we were like, I was going to eat with certain people that ended up still being playing. So it just made it so that my logistics changed. But going into it at a future event, like if I was going to go to a future really huge event and they had two main events going at the same time, I would I would know better, you know? Like you, you just have to be a little bit more flexible. Yeah, because I, I actually like this idea of there being multiple events and, and more specifically one being in an alliance and one being a non-alliance mm -hmm. just because of the fact that it is created it created such a divisive aspect in the community in terms of people loved it or people hated it and i think also that it's very positive for the direction of growth in the game having these exist and not being pigeonholed into necessarily one because of the fact that it gives the flexibility of I don't really like this format but I want to go to this event because maybe it's close to where I live so I can communicate easily with uh, little to no cost but 
if it's this event, I'm going and I'm not going to enjoy this format. But due to the fact that I want to participate in an event, this is what I'm going to do. But then having the option to play like a traditional Keyforge or the new expanded alliance aspect being present, I feel is is a it's a good move for the longevity and growth of the game. Because if you look at Magic tournaments, which uh, we'll always reference Magic just for the simple fact that it's got the longest lifespan of success in a card gaming competitive scene. They always have multiple things happening. There's like the main event and then other things going on as well. I feel like that was really, really true because even even though like the second you were out of one event, you could do many other things that were available to play. So your your timing may have simply not lined up with someone because when they were out of their tournament, they started a key racking game with some people and like even though you're still in the tournament your lunch or your dinner break didn't line up with them like they're they're doing something else so i guess just being being flexible about all the crazy cool things that anybody could be doing at any point in time it actually made it so that i ended up eating with people that i wouldn't have otherwise and that was kind of fun too that makes sense and i mean if we if we look at pat i mean just from my own experience going to a couple events it felt very much like if you weren't playing in the event the options of what you could do were were much more limited. It was you had to like seek out people to play with. There, there was not a structured sort of thing that you could partake in. Where it sounds like at KFC, there was a lot of organized things that you could suddenly go into and have fun doing, and all these these other sort of activities. And I personally think that is a very rich environment to have not just because what if some people don't want to play in a really competitive main event but want to be at the event for socializing and getting to experience keyforge in a in a group setting absolutely or there were people at this event learning to play keyforge like this was oh, a that i know right like the the game center itself the game center it, there's a z in there um so it's it's a game store but it's a huge game store that also like it, it serves food and drink and then it, it has these two like rooms in the back and that's where we were playing the like main events but there were tables like all across the inside of the game store that um people were playing their unchained games and so because keyforge was being played throughout the game center and it itself was hosting other games. Like I saw people playing random games because like they were there at their local game store playing games. And and so Keyforge was being taught to new people. And that was just so exciting for me. Like that was so wonderful to see that that it just was taking flight. I love that. Yeah, that's that is a, a definitely a great thing we want to be seeing for the future of the game, getting more people into it. And that's the whole idea of why we have these new formats. Hopefully that will create an expansion of our player base. And that's really going to lead to the success of the game for the long term. For sure. Now, let's get on to the next question. And this is actually the one I'm the most interested in to hear the answer is, how did the new set feel being played for a whole day? And not just maybe your own feeling, but like the general, I guess, feeling in the room from when you had discussions with people like what was that like getting to discover the way a deck came together with cards you haven't seen uh, or that you haven't played with in certain combinations before i like the way you phrased that because 
I've never thought about it in that way before, like playing a set for a whole day, you know, because um, mm -hmm. I recently went to the uh, Kansas City event and as, as awesome and exciting as that was, it wasn't for a release of anything new. We were playing things we'd played before. So we were, again, playing Keyforge all day, but it did feel different, you know, because at mm -hmm. KFC with the new, with the new decks and then the new sets, there was so much to explore. But on top of that, with the Unchained, there was a lot of winds of exchange in the Unchained decks. And so even if you weren't playing in the main events or the second Amber events, or with your Winds of Exchange against the Key Rackin, you might have been playing Unchained, which did include a lot of Winds of Exchange. So I think that's actually what fueled so much energy. People were there playing from like when they opened to when they closed. It was really great to see. I mm -hmm. ended up on the first day, because of the way that the tournament was structured, I, I ended up playing pretty late to make top eight in the uh, sealed event, the sealed Archon event. So I I didn't feel the same drain on, I mean, when I got back to the hotel, I passed out, I was exhausted. But like mm -hmm. while there, you know, I didn't feel the same drain on me that I, I did it at Kansas City because I felt like everything, the excitement and adrenaline had just kept me going. But I think one of the cool things too is learning new things also brings excitement. So it wasn't just the fact that like we're playing with all these people that I, I love and, and wanted to meet and uh, knew for a while online, but was meeting in person. It's the fact that like every new interaction that I was learning about was really fun and exciting. So I knew that playing one more game might bring something new to the table where especially like, especially like winds of exchange because you're tokenizing so many things, there were literally two or three cards in my deck that even the first like five games that I played, I had never played those cards to, to, to utilize them. They were either tokenized or at the bottom of my deck, or they just simply didn't become part of my strategy because you have to be a lot more flexible when you're, you're tokenizing cards. So like six, the sixth game, when I got to use a card for the first time in a deck I'd played multiple times, that was just still exciting. And it changed, it actually changed the strategy. And because I had played with it, learned in the sixth game, learned the strategy that I could use with it. I, I attempted, I like paid more attention to that card and probably like switched my playstyle a little bit to add it to the cards I could have in front of me instead of like letting it be tokenized. So it was just really great to have new cards to be playing with all day. Interesting. I, I, I like that. Um, and that gave me another idea that I want to ask you about is, do you feel Winds of Exchange has a greater longevity on a single deck basis because of everything you just said? So what I mean by that is normally people will play a deck over and over again and start to discover the way things come together, the way things are played. And there's that discovery as you go and you get into, you know, the 20 to 30, the 40, 50 reps. And then you get to a point where it's, it's the discovery is less and it's more the, you're building the good habits of how to play the deck and what works well. So you're using less time thinking because you know what's going to work. Are you going to get more play out of a winds of exchange deck because you are going to be seeing less cards and seeing things come together less because the token aspect is now so present and it's causing cards to not be seen or to not get played. Is that going to create a longevity of understanding a deck now or a longer understanding of the deck? That's a really great question. I, I have to say yes. I think that the, the idea of a Goodwins of Exchange deck 
it depends on if you're making a lot of tokens or if your strategy that, uh, that you find or the cards in your deck allow you to make less tokens because you can try and create a single strategy. But if you don't have multiple lines of play, then you, you really like you're, you're balancing on the edge of, of knowing you'll be able to do it or just not being able to. So if you find multiple lines of play in your deck, which would take longer to play and more reps, then you're also getting a, a more fun game because mm-hmm. you, you don't know which of those lines of play you're going to play in that one game. So let's say it's like the 50th game I've played with this deck. And I mean, the deck that I, I played with all weekend, I, I only ever played that Winds of Exchange deck. So I, I can honestly say that I had to find multiple lines of play and I played it enough that if I was tokenizing my Unfathomable, I went Robnar a lot. If I was tokenizing my Brobnar, I went unfathomable a lot. Mars was just supportive either way. If I was tokenizing my Mars, then the my opponent was screwed because I had both my unfathomable and Brobnar at my disposal. But that discovery really makes it so that it like I don't know which strategy I'm playing in the next game that I play. And so that could make my deck continue to be exciting to me going forward. Mm, okay. That's awesome. I'm I'm very much excited for Winds of Exchange. I think it's going to be one of the most interesting sets uh, that are out. Okay, so now next question I have for you is, as people know at this point, you are were a play tester for Winds of Exchange. And what was the greatest misconception you had from testing to getting to play the end result in a tournament? Oh my gosh, I love that question so much. <laughs> because... <laughs> The, so the, from what I'm, I can say the, the, the way that Chris and I play tested had us focusing for, we focused in on a lot of different, like very specific aspects. And like so. Like you were told, can you look at these things type of thing? Or, or even like if we wanted to have a good conversation on a, 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 a card or a mechanic or a house, then we would specifically play test in a certain way to be able to to talk on that intelligently. So it was was something where with the free range of like walking in and having no idea what I was going to play or open and um, especially with the, the, like I said, the the token that I got was something I wasn't looking forward to. And that is, is, I I couldn't have known how good it was going to be. Like I, I, unless I spent 24, seven, play testing I wasn't going to be able to to become an expert in anything in particular so the idea that I the the uh what is it in bowling those um those uh lanes are off like the the bumpers bumpers. there you go the bumpers were gone like I could do anything so walking into this I also could fail miserably like I mean it was something that I, I didn't know what was coming so I think the the fact that there were some things I didn't focus on most of the time that I was playtesting were, were free for me to explore made it that much more fun to play in the real world. So, so to sum it up, it's basically like when you're playtesting, if you had like say your hand and you happen to have things that were like, we need to find out more about this said thing here and this card's in my hand now and it's not the best like maybe house choice at this moment, but we need to figure out how this works to give feedback and information. I'm not going to call this house, which would be the right choice right now because I need to explore what this does. Is that like things like that? You nailed it on the head. That is like that you just named a handful of very 
specific interactions that I have had using those exact words. Okay. Cool. Okay. That's good to know. So you got to really see how, like, the, you got to see the true potential, basically, of what things could be when you're playing optimally rather than playing for knowledge. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. And uh, the next question I had was, I wanted to talk about the Unchained Mixer idea, because that, I think, from the weekend, I think, was the most successful thing from an outsider's perspective looking in for many reasons. One, it sounds just like Unchained is one of the greatest ideas they've ever had. And uh, two, from being a social thing that exists within a tournament setting, I personally am on this cloud of this should exist in all tournaments. As part of entering a tournament, you get an Unchained deck and you can go up to anyone and play games to get to know people in the community. It means you always have something to do at any given time. I just think this should be a tournament standard moving forward. And then each year they have the new season of Unchained in it and you get them basically in this capacity. What are your thoughts on that? I absolutely agree. I honestly, going in, I was excited to use it as an excuse to talk to people, but didn't really feel like this is before I end. Like I, I didn't feel like it would have any heft because personally I like structure. I like being told like how my games are going to play. I like being able to know that going into it, I don't have to come up with the the ideas or the um, formats or anything like that. But knowing this was going to be an add-on to the main event, it was something where I, I could use it as an excuse to meet and hang out with people. But while playing it, it became even more apparent how wonderful this format is. And so like it, what it is, is sneakily, it's actually really just a round robin because you're not allowed to the same person twice. And so in a room of 200 people, it doesn't feel like a round robin because you're obviously not going to play everyone, but it is, it is that exactly. And so we are at our local game store, like the, the way that we are going to bring Keyforge back, our first event at my local game store is going to be this format. And I'm, I'm actually, so uh, having, having placed uh, second in one of the events, I, I, my prize was a couple extra Winds of Exchange decks. So I am literally putting up some Winds of Exchange decks as prizes, but the way that we're doing it to like enhance the casual aspect, we're not just rewarding the winners. So not only is it a, a casual format where you walk in, you challenge anyone, there's no, there's no wait time, there's no, like, if we have even 10 people show up, like, it's just a, like a mixer, but you report your wins and losses once you've played your game, and then you just have to play someone else. You can't play the same person twice. And then at the end, we're going to have a bucket of, uh, if you, all the winners, uh, every, every game you've won gets you an entry into the winner's bucket. And then every game you've lost gets you an entry into the loser's bucket. And then the third bucket is showing up. So participation. And we're going to like draw one name out of each bucket and they are going to go home with a Winds of Exchange deck. And it's just so like it, it incentivizes playing as many games as possible, but it also allows for people being late because in a, in a situation like that, in an unstructured situation, like you don't have to show up exactly when it starts. You can still come and, and be late and, and play some key forge and, and have just as, um, equal an opportunity, uh, to win a prize as someone who won all their games in, in the participation bucket. So it's just, it makes for such a casual environment, but in a way where you can come and, and 
agree with your opponent that what on whatever you're going to play. So like if I'm playing against Chris, we can play our, our craziest or our most competitive. But if I'm playing against someone who has literally never played Keyforge before and they showed up because this sounds really cool, I can I can pick a sealed deck. Like we can play a sealed game or I can give them one of my best decks and and play something wonky and, and fun and weird just to give me a challenge. I, I think that the format that they introduced with the unchained games, not only just the unchained decks, but the the way that they set up the unchained duels just blew my mind and in how innovative it is. Mm, I like that. I mean, that's a really good welcoming way to enjoy Keyforge. I'm I'm glad you thought of that as a way for your local store and to bring in new players. I I think that this is something people should take note of and and do themselves because I I do see the potential for it to be a really great way for people to meet the community because when you play in a round robin, you actually only meet half the people technically. So this gives you a chance to meet everyone. So I I really like that. So last question for you. Um, Any advice for people playing a full day of Key Forge or over a few days? Like what is the one thing you wish, like this is almost like a hell from future self in a way because (laughs) now looking back, like what what should you have done differently or planned for differently? So I, I will say that that Chris was on the ball because we stopped at a gas station very near entering or like when we were getting really close and and I was like, no, why are we stopping? We're almost there. We need to keep going. And he, he walks inside and picks up like 10 different power bars of like, in case, like we don't know what the setup is going to be. We don't know how this is going to be run. We don't know the food situation because neither of us had ever been to the game center before, but they, they do sell food there. But again, like if the line is long enough where we have to get into our next game, then we can't right. buy food. Like you want some sort of nutrients. And so he was on the ball for that. And it made it so that we we ended up like having nutrients the whole time. But another thing that was actually a, a realization I don't think I, I could have had if I was, if I didn't um, make the top table is I was, I ended up playing so late on Friday that I didn't get to go out with a group of people that went out to, uh, you know, like see the town and, and, and drink. And I, I'm so glad they were having a blast, but they also went out on Saturday night and I had to make the choice. Like I'm playing Sunday morning for my top table I or top eight. I can't, I can't go out tonight. Like I just, I can't be the fun Sydney that everyone knows me as, because if I'm going to make this happen, I need to be, you know, on my ball tomorrow morning. So getting enough mm-hmm. sleep is just another thing that really like made it so that I could think I could, I could be cognitive the next morning, but also just like not being afraid to go up to random people, you know, like I didn't recognize most of the faces there, even though, to be honest, like after introducing myself, learning their username, I did in fact know most of the people there, but it really just like, you have a better time when you're, you're not nervous about introducing yourself and Unchained gave us the way to do that in a way that that like broke the ice and so uh don't feel like like give yourself a reason to break the ice you know like it's it's totally worth having somebody to chat with if you if you're not going to an event with people like having somebody to chat with after each round about how they did or you know like how how you did and um talking with people before and after the games that you play just to to get to know them is also like a really fun way to enhance the enjoyment of the whole tournament because you're, you're going to be there three days with the same people. So if you, you want to be able to like see the person you played on the first day on day three and, and ask them how they're doing and see if they like had a good day too. And, you know, so just we're all one big family and we should treat each other that way. No, totally agree. 
the food one is a big one for me. When I go to the tournaments, literally one of the first things I do is go to a store, grab some like protein bars or energy bars or granola bars, anything like that. Smart. Because keeping the snack up is is big. I also always bring like those emergencies or NRCs with like the B vitamins and vitamin Ooh. C to put in a water throughout the day just to get your brain power going halfway through. Oh yes, through. water. Water, that's a good one. We were very yeah, lucky they had lots of water. Yeah, they had a water fountain in the game center and so and cups obviously because they serve drinks. So like water was plentiful. Um but uh, back at uh, Kansas City water wasn't exactly plentiful. So um it, it's like prepare yourself to take care of yourself. Good. That's a good. That is that is the best way to phrase it. Prepare yourself to take care of yourself. I like that. <laughs> Well, of course, we cannot end an episode without the titular segment. And of course, we call this one Help from Future Self. self. I have one that uh, I think is going to become more relevant now that we are getting into the the light at the end of the tunnel, let's call it, where we now know we're going to have tournaments to go to and tournaments to play. We've already been doing so, of course, online through ABR and the Nordic Keyforge League, which is uh, always going on in the different events that people online have been hosting. And one thing that I've realized as I'm thinking about going into the tournament scene again and wanting to play more competitively and not just try and play my most wacky decks or things that I haven't got a chance to really explore, when I'm looking to play the meat and potatoes of the collection, it's funny how you have, I guess... Like when you when you go back to a deck, you go, okay, I remember this plays like this. And then you start playing it and it's not going the way you want. Why <laughs> is this not playing like this? It's you always win. Why is it not winning now? What's happening? So there's there's that thought process of trying to wrap your head around the way a deck wants to play versus the way you just play naturally. And I think when you go to your collection and start going into your your top tier decks, there is things that exist with them that is you know how they want to play and then you go to play them and maybe they don't play the way you remember. And I think there's a few things to keep in mind when this happens, you go through this process. First one is, are people still playing the decks that back then when you played now or has the meta change? Is the the type of deck that you're seeing very different and now is that deck no longer the right matchup with that scene? That could be very what it is. And that's something you have to start now considering. The other thing is, have you as a player evolved in a way where you no longer view the deck in the way you did in the present time? So now you're approaching the deck and the way you play it with so much more knowledge, so much more experience, so much more understanding of how you go up against things and it doesn't have the things that make that work. Or is it just a simple matter of fact that you forgot and now you got to learn the deck all over again. <laughs> I mean, that's always a possibility. But I found myself really enjoying this process, although going through periods of frustration and finding that having to discover all over again how something works is a really fun experience. And don't be afraid to be like, you know what? I think this deck is not meant for the meta in its current state that I am seeing. That doesn't mean it won't come back again. I just think that you're going to see a round table, round table, a revolving table of a way a deck can be most strong and maybe not as strong in certain settings. 
That is a very coach moment. I absolutely agree. I think that there were a lot of decks that I picked early in uh, the online play that like fit the strength of the format we were playing because like that's when some of the the wackiest stuff started to come out. And then like I'm I'm playing them now in more like refined versions of those formats or um, in in just a lot of different settings because how my, my online play has expanded so much and they're just not doing as well. So I I totally love what you said there about like analyze why you or your deck are not playing as well if you haven't played it in a long time Mm -hmm. because it's something that's familiar but at the same time you're not getting the results that you're familiar with and i think that's the key moment and it may take some some self-reflection are you maybe not as sharp as a player as you used to be which i think is a very possible thing for some people strictly because of the fact that you maybe took a break from Keyforge and now you're coming back because you see the horizon and you know that it's not going anywhere. So you want to get back, but you haven't played for a while. You've been playing other games. So there is a chance that your muscle memory isn't as good as you think it is. And you yourself need to hone that edge a little bit more before writing off that deck or approaching that deck that way. Because it's like, I don't know for anyone who does sports or goes to the gym but sometimes you take a break and then you go to play again and then you have in your mind how good you were and then you have the reality of how good (laughs) you are and sometimes that can be like oh my goodness I'm so sore I remember you used to be able to do this and now I can't so that it's I think there's no difference it's anything you've done consecutively for a long time that has built up a strength if you take a break from it and come back to it you will have the memory of how strong you were but the actuality of how strong you are may not be in line with that when you actually push comes to shove. So totally true. Love it. So if uh, you wish to reach out to us, um, honestly, we're, we're not that active on Twitter right now, but if you do tag us, we'll see it. Um, Discord, joining our Discord is definitely the place where everything's happening right now. We, I feel like we're just having more and more people join. The link is in the show notes. It's the best way to reach any of us here who come on the show. And it's just a great place where you can discover a lot of really neat and fun ideas and discussions. So I do recommend going there if you want to reach out to us. If you want to reach out to Sydney directly, where can they find you, Sydney? I am SC Steel on Discord, pretty active in that Help and Feature Self Discord channel. And I'm also SC Steel on TCO. Perfect. And if you wish to reach out to me, the best place is through Discord, where my handle is Boulevard Blake, number sign 3840. That's BLVD Blake, as well as on my YouTube, where I, I took a break this week because the the crippling feeling of not being in KFC, I was like, what content can <laughs> I put out that will compare to? Yeah, no, I'm just joking. It's not that serious. Um, I've just been busy. <laughs> but um, I, I did think about doing a, a FOMO episode, but I decided not to because I want to keep it happy and positive. But yeah, please go to my YouTube. I'll have new stuff on there. Um, if you're into SoulForge, I do happen to do SoulForge content on there as well. And uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. And until next time, folks, stay forging.